Yeah, I think what's been holding back the stock price for so long is just that fund managers were really hesitant to put much of it, if any, in their portfolios. Yeah. And and now it seems, oh, well, Ford and GM, okay, yeah, I'll put some more of it. Oh, AI, yeah, okay, I'll put more of it. Today, we're going to be speaking with Zach and Jesse, the dynamic duo behind the YouTube channel Now You Know. They have a passion for all things electric vehicles, renewable energy, and technology. With over 300,000 subscribers, their videos have now been viewed over 84 million times. In 2016, father and son, Zach and Jesse, did a cross-country tour of the U.S. on their Tesla to show the world that an electric car was up to the task. And since then, they did it again and again and again, not just in the U.S., but also in Europe. I'm guessing they must get along well enough to be together for that long of a time. But when you meet them, you'll see the magic in their relationship. They really do have this unique combination of humor, wit, and expertise that they add to every video they create. Now You Know is more than just a YouTube channel, it's a movement led by these two visionary hosts determined to make a lasting difference in the world, or as Zach has said, Elon needs my help. Does Elon really need your help? Thank you so much, Zach and Jesse. I appreciate you. Thank you, you That me. was a really nice intro. Thank you. Really appreciate being on your show. Does Elon need our help? No, he doesn't need our he help. He doesn't need our help. No. We just want to help him. I want to help. You know, it's kind of like the too many cooks in the kitchen kind yeah. of thing where you're like, oh, can I get you anything? We would probably be gumming it up. We'd be like, do you need more butter? And he'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. Well, let's get started with the first question, which is, you know, what is it about Tesla that you're really most impressed about? I know that you do videos on everything a lot of other evs uh sustainable energy you've expanded beyond just electric vehicles but what is it about tesla that uh that is most convincing to you that it's very unique in this world and why you want to do so many videos on tesla it comes back to elon it comes back to his vision of the fact that he's a first principles thinker and the fact that he has such a long time horizon on how he thinks about accomplishing things i was born and raised in the 70s and 80s where you know, these Harvard business school types were always focusing on counting beans, um, saving pennies, focusing on the next quarter. And so many CEOs, I think, went to that school and learned that way. And so that's why you have companies today, which unfortunately play that out, where they're just looking small ball. He's playing long ball. So he's thinking about things that even us in this bubble, this Tesla bubble, haven't even fully figured out until we see it playing out. Uh, this week talking about you know the the NAC standard becoming a standard for gm and for for ford um we've been talking about that for years and now getting to see these other companies go like oh yeah this is a valuable thing we need it right and i mean this was something that we knew back in 2016 when we did our cross-country road trip it was like you know could we drive an electric car from one side of the country uh to the other without it being stupid you know because like <laughs> could you do it yeah. in a nissan leaf sure yes would it take 10 times as long? <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think what really impressed us was, you know, we had one of the first Model Xs, we had uh, the original Autopilot 1, and, you know, we were able to eat up miles. We did 600 miles in one day once uh, on one of the legs through Montana. We went all the way through Montana in one day. Yeah. Um, and we were going a little crazy, but, um, you know, the supercharging really just showed how valuable it was. Well, um, and I expected that we would break down somewhere in Kansas and be lost forever. But yeah. like the fact that we had zero problems, we had 75 supercharger experiences 
And that's what really launched our channel coming home and being like, oh my God, everyone, we just did something I don't think anyone knows you can do. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody thought you can do it. And of course, now it's fairly routine as long as you have a Tesla. Um, and it's a lot more of a adventure um, with some of the uh, non-Tesla EVs that are out there. Um, but we knew that the supercharger was this huge, amazing thing um, that, you know, all the way back in 2016 could convince people um, to switch to an EV. It was, you know, it was a mixture, I think, of the supercharger network, the large battery packs that Tesla was putting in their cars that at the time nobody was even thinking of. Um, and then it was... Um, charging speed the charging speed was a was a huge factor and the acceleration i think well because that... i just want to point out even recently we heard jim farley a ceo of ford talk about the fact that we've got the largest charging network and we're just happy to join <laughs> you know have tesla join our network and it was like <laughs> dude what are you talking about that's just not and true. and i think that it's being able to look through the kind of corporate speak that a lot of the car companies have been putting out forever. You know, they've always been saying like, it's best in class, this, it's that, or it's, we're going to call it this. And it's never, you know, there are things where people actually love certain cars for certain reasons. Um, and Tesla has so many of those all wrapped into one. With the acceleration, I feel like that was a big thing. It was able to show people that electric cars were not golf carts. It was the the whole thing. Everyone's uh, perspective on it was in the beginning was that you know electric cars they're slow, they're they're grandma ish, they're for losers. You're wimpy if you have one. Yeah. And having you know one of the fastest uh, cars off the line really changed people's minds. It was such a visceral yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it attacked your limbic system. So yeah. basically <laughs> it got to that part of your brain that no one else can get to unless, as we talk about it, as butts and seats, unless you experience it with your butt, you can't actually <laughs> understand what everyone's talking about. And exactly. that to me, it, and, and it wasn't just that like they made a compelling car, it was for compelling reasons, right? Like yeah. Elon was talking about uh, climate change all the way back then. I mean, and lots of people were, um, but not a lot of people wanted to kind of double down on it. They were all thinking about like, well, how can we, you know, green fuels and, and you know. Well, they still are. I mean, we're gas. still hearing it's, about hydrogen. We're still fighting know? it, but. Um, it's just great that Elon went to first principles, made a vehicle that was just going to blow the competition out of the water for years to come um, and 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 really propel electric vehicles forward. He's just been the leader and has been making this space. Um, and without Elon Musk and his guidance with with Tesla, um, I shudder to feel to, to, yeah. to think the, where we would be. The forward thinking, as you were saying, is so far ahead. 2016, when you guys did that road trip is seven years ago, and you were able to go cross country. Now it's, uh, it's, you know, what 30, I can't even remember the number now it's 40,000 chargers globally, um, supercharger stations. And um, so today we heard Volvo uh, jumping on board It's inevitable, everybody will need to do this. So this is a, a very big strategic, uh, you know, do you think it is a big strategic uh, kind of um, moat that they have or not moat, but you know, some sort of advantage? the supercharger particularly, or do you think that they'll just, you know, open it up just because of the mission and not necessarily something that will benefit Tesla as much as some people think? Well, I mean, that is the beautiful part about Elon, right? He first and foremost cares about the planet. So where other CEOs might be thinking like, ha ha ha, I've got a moat and I'm going to keep it that way. <laughs> he is like, he's been saying it for years. Come talk to me, right? It's just, they didn't want to talk about it until he called it the North American charging standard. Um, but I think a lot of people miss the point here. They think, oh, well, Tesla's going to get nothing out of this and they're just going to jam up our superchargers. Well, no, 
Tesla does get to control it because they get to control the what you get charged there. And so we don't know exactly how it's going to work yet, but I think it's going to be dynamic. And I think they're going to dynamically charge you more or less depending on the demand at each supercharger. So I think they're going to be able to control it from getting too out of hand in terms of overcrowded. And I think they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, I, I think even without there being something in the contracts that are going to be signed between these all these different companies, these automakers who are trying to sign on board, I feel like there's hundreds of millions of dollars in the in well, those deals, don't you think? Well, because what we're talking about just sounds yeah. like a charging network. And so for most people, they're like, okay, so this is Electrify America or this is EVgo. Well, no, because I think what Tesla's going to do and what Elon said he's going to do for years is I think he's going to throw solar canopies up over a lot, mm -hmm. if not all of these superchargers. He's right. going to put batteries there. And so you might just stop there and be like, okay, that's good. It's a renewable energy charging system. But I think they're going to go one step further, as we talked about on disruptive investing this week. I think that it's going to be a utility. Because once you start you know, putting solar and batteries in your house, you realize, oh, I can be a VPP, a virtual power plant. Well, each of these superchargers can do the same. And so multiply that out by the over 5,000 locations they have today. And by the time they do this, maybe in 2030, because I, you know, I don't think they're going to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, I think you could be talking about 10,000 plus locations that are covered with solar and batteries. And so you might have just solved the whole problem that most people, you know, when you say EVs to most people, they're like, yeah, but the grid won't be able to handle it. Uh, well, what <laughs> the, the the 14th fallback position that they've had. From, right. Well, they're wimpy to, oh, they're actually. Cobalt is mined right. by little children. And, and then, so now they're like, well, the grid won't be able to handle it. We're so many steps back where everyone's just backpedaling right. on, on this, like, how can I continue to um, have cognitive dissonance about electric right. vehicles? This is like. And the next one, and I'm sure the next one's going to, you know, there'll be another argument and it's going to be, oh, well, you know, they're, different, you know, <laughs> I don't, I can't come I, up with I don't with know if you guys have both realized, yeah. have you guys realized that your alter ego is the same person? You guys sound exactly the same. Yes. Well, <laughs> he is my father. So when he was playing the stuffed animals with me, that was one of the voices. It's the same person. It I mean, I can't yeah. tell from the <laughs> Well, and um, it's people that we've met. That's true. We've all we've, we've met all these the people. Same yeah. people in our heads. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> is that is that well, um, the ocean doesn't rise where I live? <laughs> we've met those people. It's, it seems like that might have been uh, one of the impetuses of your channel when you did this was to fight the fud. That is the, uh, the the kind of the disinformation that's out there. I wanted to show this this uh, slide that came out this morning that I thought was interesting. See what you guys think about it. Um, and, and basically it says, you know, he, here are the various companies that were supposed to be all Tesla killers. And where are they mm. now? I mean, it's, I guess, is a bittersweet, right? Because some of these you do want to succeed, but it's so difficult to create an electric car company. And these guys are, they're, you know, of course, Neo and Xiaopang could still certainly succeed. Um, a lot. Rest, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, and again, there's a lot of quality companies on this list, right? And I think <laughs> one of the problems is we're overlaying a general market problem. Money was so cheap for so long. Unfortunately, I think what that did to a lot of management people um, was they're like, oh, money's cheap. So don't worry about the next round. Don't worry about the next round. Don't worry about getting profitable with your product. And again, this goes back to, um, I think, Harvard Business School in the 80s, where they didn't really worry about actually having to be profitable from day one. 
all the companies that Jesse and I form, we try to be profitable from day one. That's a completely different model than where you go, oh, yeah, we'll have six funding rounds and we won't worry about ramping up production until, you know, six years from now. We're going to have a huge runway or we think we will or, or we're going to have this. We're going to be building the tracks in front of us right. uh, like Wallace and Gromit. Then um, when money gets tight, you run out of money, you run out of <laughs> runway. And well, and it is interesting that you say like it is really hard to do electric vehicles. And Zach and I were very naive at the beginning of our channel and our journey. Um, and we just so happened to pick like the right horse. Um, mm -hmm. So when everyone was telling us like they can't produce the Model S or the Model X or the Model 3 or the Model Y. And um, I think that I was an idiot at, at that point. And I was like, it's easy. You just make the cars, right? Because Tesla made it look so easy. They were just, right. they well, were able to pump it out. And, and let, I mean, let's it go wasn't perfect. Let's but... go back to the Model 3 ramp. Yeah. I think that is where Elon learned a lot of lessons. And luckily, the strength that Elon has, I think, is that he's willing to admit when he's wrong. That is a huge strength that I think most people don't have. We do not like to admit when we're wrong. So when he thought, okay, I'll just make use robots and robots will do perfect and it didn't work. Humans were needed at that point. He does, he is right down the road when he perfects Tesla bot, Optimus, that'll be a great worker for a factory. But he didn't have that back in 2017 when he was doing Model 3. So he had to pivot quickly. If he hadn't pivoted as quickly as he did, there may not be a Tesla today. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's... But it was built on so many successes, and also Tesla was a first mover. I think that there you can't ignore that. Um, that now they are the yardstick that every company is being measured against. That's a really good point because if you look at something like Lucid, right? The car was so sexy when they were talking about it in tandem with the Tesla Model S and so forth, and we're all like, "Yeah, is that coming out tomorrow?" Because if it does, it'll be great. And then it just took longer and longer and longer. So by the time it comes out, it's not that it's not a good car. It's just that it doesn't look as appealing compared to what's already out there. Because now it's yeah. competing with the Plaid. Right. When it was Absolutely. competing with just a P100D ludicrous mm -hmm. mode, um, <laughs> it was like, whoa, okay. Uh, but now that it's competing with the Plaid, it's like, I don't know. Right. It's, that's a different, that's a different yeah. beast. Right. And, and it's the same with all of these things. Like um, for so long, it was like, we need a cheap electric car. And so a lot of the companies on your list we're trying to uh, come up with a, a, a cheaper electric car. And Tesla just came in with the Model 3 and solved it. And right. in a way that I just, I remember the um, uh, putting down my deposit for the Model 3. And at yeah. that point, it was just two words, if you can even count the numeral three as a word. It was Model 3. That's all I knew about it. It was going to cost $35,000 right. and it was going to have a range over 200 miles. I would have taken the toyota corolla electrified i i no such thing exists but i would have taken like that and instead we got the model three which we all know and love today um and i just couldn't believe it yeah. i was i remember the unveiling and seeing it and being like it's going to compete with the model s which of course it has yeah and yeah. and i think that that's really interesting too is that like he's not willing they didn't he's just not they didn't just make the Model S and go like, this is the coolest car, and then either stop or just continue to uh, compete with Porsche. They were like, and now we're going to put basically the BMW you know, M series out of business too. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about today, right? So where Tesla is situation, uh, situated today, where do you think the future valuation is going to be? And I think uh, we're all seeing that fund managers and analysts are now starting to take notice, right? Tesla is no longer a car company. Do you think that you're seeing that happening? What's your prediction of what, where this will go? I 
I hate this, but I think that that the ability of Tesla to name some of the things that they have been doing um, is mm -hmm. starting to increase the value because now it's so stupid that it's semantics, right? But I feel like we're fund managers and and other investors are starting to take notice of like, oh, the North American charging standard. Before it was just the Tesla supercharger network and people were like, yeah, but it's got a proprietary plug and I don't like how Apple has their proprietary plug. So I'm going to just going to, mm. I'm going to write that off. You call it the North American charging standard. Great name. Now you go, oh, well it's, it's a standard as opposed to being <laughs> the Tesla plug. Well, and funny thing is they called it that though a few months before. And then until Ford and GM and others sign on, it really wasn't paid attention. And to. I think that yes. that probably had a big reason why ford and gm uh were hesitant yeah. to sign on because it wouldn't look very good if ford said we're adopting the tesla standard i think that was part of the two-year negotiation with ford i think that at some point during some meeting somebody at tesla heard you know what the pushback we're getting happens to be the name so let's just oh, rename well. it so yeah I, and i think it's that i think that um tesla just came out or tesla ai just started <laughs> their own twitter account and so now uh fund managers who probably you know heard about dojo they don't know what dojo is 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 elon doing karate <laughs> now <laughs> now they're going oh tesla's getting into ai right. and i need ai in my portfolio so i can i can throw in some gotcha, yeah. some tesla and i have not only tesla but i also have an ai company yeah i think what's been holding back the stock price for so long is just that fund managers were really hesitant to put much of it if any in their portfolios and now their clients are probably clamoring for more of it yeah. and and now it seems oh well ford and gm okay yeah i'll put some more of it oh ai yeah okay i'll put more of it that's going to continue to happen and it only takes a small fraction of fund managers to start putting it in their portfolios mm -hmm. before there's so much demand i mean there's only 3.2 billion shares so that you're going to start seeing the price go up I'm not what a financial was your, advisor. What were you saying but... about um, Adam Jonas and his prediction? Yeah. So, I mean, recently Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley came out with, um, you know, some pretty good estimations. He's trying, you know, it's a hard thing to estimate, right? What's the value of the supercharger network in seven years? He came up with like, you know, different, uh, I think it was plausible, dominant mo monopoly, but his kind of, I would say fairly bullish number said that it could be worth a hundred billion dollars in seven years, right? But he based a lot of those numbers on this one number, which was that he thought in seven years, 8% of the, all the miles driven in the US would be EV miles. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a fine assumption if you like linear thinking. I think that if we're just gonna linearly grow EVs to 2030, sure, 8%, I'll give you that. But that's not what it's gonna be. I think anyone watching this show right now thinks, well, it's gotta be more than eight. I think it's gonna be more like 30%. Oh, yeah. It could be wrong, it could be more, it could be less. But if it is worth more than 8% of the driving miles, then I think that $100 billion number goes up. Now, I don't know what factor it goes up by, but I think it goes up by a lot. And I think that it's going to be, it's just easy to wrap your head around a number like $100 billion, but it gets crazy to put it any higher than that because you're like, well, it can't be worth a trillion. Um, but I think it could. Right. Um, because all you have to do is it slowly increase the number of uh, EV miles. And that, by the way, was not the number of EV miles that would be supercharging. Right. That was um, just that total. Was, yeah. That was a different factor that he was uh, doing in his calculations. But I want to go back to like 1909 or something, right? When we're just coming out with automobiles. And if I said to you, what would the gas station network be worth? Right. Um, most people wouldn't think about convenience stores with the gas station, right? And they wouldn't be thinking about all the auxiliary things, the motels, all that stuff. And they just would be like, I don't know, you're going to sell gas. Let me run some numbers. How many cars do we have today? Well, and also, okay, so you, you think that it's going to be small. 
and uh, look at what one of the largest industries in the world is. Right. It's the yeah. it's selling people gasoline. But you know it's funny to get that gasoline, you got to pump it out of the ground. You got to build pipelines and ships and all that. You got to process it. So that's not free. Whereas the supercharger network could be, be free. Free, almost free energy. I mean, it could oh. be marginally zero if you do it with solar. And so I think it's very likely since Tesla is. Oh wait, it's also a solar company. They could put solar panels over so much of their uh, network with batteries, and it could be a hugely valuable network just based on free energy. And that to me is like the thing that makes me so excited about Tesla because they could have really rested on their laurels. They could have mm -hmm. said, we're making electric vehicles. They could have even come out with the Model 3. And we would be today still talking about, this is amazing, the Model 3 and the Model Y, this is great. Um, but Tesla has so many more irons in the fire than that, yeah. right? They not only um, make the superchargers, but they also make mega packs right and and power walls and stuff like that so battery storage well which... i just want to stop you there for a second because you asked about stock price let's just give you guys a number ron Barron, who's a pretty smart sure. guy he's a billionaire so let's rely on him not me he has a price target of fifteen hundred dollars a share by 2030 i think it is no it's even sooner i think it's even sooner mm -hmm. um you can put it on the screen but uh fifteen hundred dollars a share where he says he's not counting the robots he's not counting full self-driving and he's not yeah. counting energy right He's just counting the boring old automotive company. Right. These three things are whole other companies. Right. There are companies that are devoted to each of those separate things, and Tesla is in every single one of them and attracts the best talent. But the, in prob the world. but the problem is, I think for most investors, is the disbelief part. It's hard to believe that Tesla yeah. is going to do all these other things. Like, let's talk about the robots for a second. For anyone watching who's seen, you know, Optimus or Tesla Bot. It seems just too far-fetched to even believe that it'll be able to like get you a beer. But <laughs> if that's all it can do, it would still be amazing and everyone would want one. But if it can do more than that, if it could, I don't know, sweep or paint your house or mow your lawn, it'll be invaluable. If it could do almost anything, even if it, would, if it did it really slowly, that's still, you know, even if it took three times as long to, you know, say, dig a ditch, that's still way cheaper than paying a guy right. to dig a ditch for you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, we don't even have to talk retail or homes. We can just talk, you know, manufacturing businesses. It's just exactly. uh, easier to do those kind of things that it is people can imagine, but they do keep talking about dishwashing and laundry and come on, that's who cares about that? Honestly, the biggest market is manufacturing. True. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, you know, um, you, you have an obsession I noticed with Cybertruck. <laughs> you guys have like hundreds of videos on Cybertruck for a long time. Am I correct to say that you have an obsession with Cybertruck? So what is yeah. your, I mean, it's obviously coming out. It's going to be a big deal. Many people are thinking that the Cybertruck is going to be a huge catalyst to the stock. The world will wake up and they'll realize that uh, Tesla, you know, you can't ignore it and it'll just generate the buzz. People go to the website. Do you guys feel the same way that it's, it's obviously going to be a great product. It's going to take off, but somehow it's going to be a reawakening of the investment of Tesla. Yeah. So we were at the event, the unveiling event with, you know, the infamous, uh, middle ball breaking the window and all that. Um, we were live streaming. And so I remember at that moment that it drove up on stage, I was holding like two, you know, one phone to live stream it. And then I was like, I'm going to order this thing the second Elon says it's gone live. So yeah. I ordered it within three seconds. And so we're like number 20 on the list. And so we're super excited, hopefully this September to be one of the first YouTubers to, you know, show it wow. to you guys, because that's nice. what we do. We've got the review. I saw that you're 
you're number 65 on the list for Tesla semi truck, and you're going to get a Tesla Roadster when that does come out because you're the number one biggest Tesla referrer. So you guys are like, you're tr you yeah, not just one Roadster early. We should be getting multiple. Yeah. And so we're doing a butts and seats <laughs> tour with that too. We're going to uh, give anyone who helped us get that uh, a, a ride in it because we're crazy. And because we, uh, we love this, this stuff. I mean, yeah. this is going and doing this in person, especially after spending time with COVID. It's just, it's nice to reconnect with people. There we go. We're super excited to get that Cybertruck on the road into as many people's, you know, so they can see it and touch it. Because when we actually got to ride it that night at the event, yeah. I think that's what really blew our mind. It's like, it feels so different to have a vaulted ceiling in a truck was like mind blowing to have all that space in the truck. And then to have it, you know, we had already experienced Tesla's acceleration, but to do it in a truck was just insane. And I think that that along with the looks is going to be what's going to really drive it like a catalyst because Tesla could come out with a good looking vehicle like Rivian, great looking truck no denying it. I get lots of looks whenever I drive it. People are smiling. People want to know who makes it. I tell them it's Rivian. They want to know, no, but like who makes it? It's, it's Rivian. They're a company, you know, um, the cyber truck is going to be divisive. It's going people, some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to like it. Um, and I think that that actually is a good thing for Tesla's brand. Um, because that's going to kind of, make a little bit of conflict, make a little bit of friction. Um, and a lot of people are going to love it for um, being rust proof, for being bulletproof. Um, those types of, of things are just stuff that trucks don't have. You can't buy a rust proof truck right now. You just can't. You can, you know, you can say, well, the bed of the Chevy is made out of aluminum or, or vice versa. I forget which one's which, but it's, it's not the same as driving up in a cyber truck. Yeah. And I mean, we recently heard stuff from Jim Farley again from Ford talking on CNBC, talking about how, you know, they're the leader in EV trucks. And it oh, just and that, you know, Elon can make the trucks for Silicon Valley people if he wants to. But he's, you know, Farley's going to make trucks for real people. Um, and we have his truck and it's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's old. Yeah, it feels old. The screen. The way, the way I see it is that um, if, if 4,500 years ago and you're in Egypt, and somebody shows you here's the pyramid your first reaction is this is gross this is this guy because you can't understand why you would make such a simple design of compared to all the other you know monuments that's ever been built mm. all these wonderful castles that they've seen before but then it's it after you know a short bit of time it is so iconic it's so it's kind of like just so beautiful because of its iconic you know do you remember the first day after it came out the first exactly. 48 hours first 48 right. I, hours I had the first reaction saw... I didn't like yeah. it. And then the next exactly. day, I loved it. The other, the, the issue with the very first one too was it was still slightly off. It was a little longer than it needs to be. Now it seems to be perfect in my eyes. But back mm -hmm. then, it was a little bit, something was off in the side view. Front view, rear view, beautiful. Side view. Well, and here's the other um, thing about Tesla is all their designs, I think it has something to do with Franz. They, when you see it on video or, or a picture, it doesn't fully give it to you until you see it in person, right? You've probably mm -hmm. experienced that with the Model 3 or if you've seen the, the Cybertruck in person. When you see it in person, there's just something extra about it. And I yeah. feel like that's the other piece when people get to experience it on the roads and they're at a red light next to one and like, oh my God, what is that? Well, and that's the thing. It's so eye-catching. It's so eye-grabbing. Why do you think some of the most successful like fashion brands are so ugly. 
<laughs> you know, it's not that I think that, you know, all uh, Gucci purses mm -hmm. look great. It's that they get the big freaking yeah. Gucci logo all over the whole the thing. It's yeah. great branding. And right. that has led them to be very successful companies. And I think that that's going to be the same thing with the Cybertruck. You're not going to be able to ignore it. But You're going to look at it and just like a, a commercial for Coca-Cola, you know, yeah. they flash that on screen and you go like, I want a Coca-Cola. It's going to be the same thing with Tesla. You're going to look at it and be like, what yeah. is that? And you either know what it is or you don't know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, you're going to first, you're going to have like a, a perfect marketing reaction where your, your whole body's going to go like, are we being attacked? Which is like what the red in Coca-Cola is for, right? It's supposed to scare you a little bit because red's mm -hmm. this vibrant color. Here, you're going to have it on a different level. Then you're going to learn what it is. And you're still not going to be able to just tune it out at well, least for months and maybe years. And I also think it goes back to manufacturing. It's one thing if right. Ford says that they are going to have this very desirable truck, because I get it, the F-150 is a desirable brand, but are they going to be able to make enough of them, even if they had the demand? And with Tesla, they've got the demand, right? Over a million people have already signed up for it, and they're going to have the manufacturing. Yeah. And, and again, they're manufacturing it in a completely different way than Ford has ever manufactured a truck. Yeah. With with giga castings and and with uh, with stainless steel, like I mean, the stainless steel part, I think is is it's, it's going to take a few months and maybe a few years for people to fully appreciate mm -hmm. that. Hey, my truck is not rusting, yeah, and you know my truck doesn't fold in half when I drive forward and then unfold because the frame has rusted completely. <laughs> um, and so you have an aluminum frame that also doesn't rust. Um, that was cast. Giga, you know, giga press. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be so huge in terms of getting the price down and 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 making it very attractive to Americans. Yeah, I mean, look at the first Chevy Silverado EV. It's coming out hopefully end of this year. Uh, the first version will be one hundred and five thousand um, dollars. And I get it. You know, you put out your top of the line one first, but even what, as they get the price down, we're talking seventy five thousand um, dollars. It's just a different part of the price of the of the truck market. I hope that Tesla. I know they're not going to be able to stick to thirty nine nine. I I get that inflation time, but I hope that they can keep something in the fifty thousand dollar range um, because I think that's what a lot of people want. Right. I mean, I've shown say the Rivian or the Ford to people, um, and you know they they ask about price and I tell them and. Uh, you can just see a switch turn off in their head and they go like, all right, cool. Right. That's, I'm not going to get that. I can't afford that. Right. I'm not going to get it. So I'm not even going to think about it anymore. And they turn off completely. They don't care. They do not care anymore. And it's the, you get the opposite reaction with say the model three where, you know, they're like, Oh, it's a Tesla costs $80,000. And you go yeah, like, exactly. no, I got mine for like 45 with the, and I got, I got the, with the tax credit back in the day, you know, so I got it for 35 and they're like, you got it for, you got it for what? And then, yeah. Uh, especially when, when, because, you know, we can compare it to the F-150 Lightning. Um, but I think that most people are going to be comparing it to the F-150 gas powered version. Mm. Um, and so the, the fuel costs are going to be insanely different. I just think the biggest problem we have because we're in the bubble, right? It's too, it's very hard for us to not be in the bubble. And that's why I like going out into the world because then when you bump into someone at, you know, you're just at a, parking lot one day and you meet someone who has no idea about any of this, you get to actually see where the rest of the country and the rest of the world's at. 
and they are just nowhere near this bubble. Like most of them have no idea what we're talking about. If they've heard the word Tesla, that's a big plus. But mm -hmm. other than that, a lot of them still think that, you know, like you said, Rivian, what is Rivian? Like they just don't know about this stuff. And I don't blame them. There haven't been any Tesla ads, right? There haven't been any Rivian ads to speak of. So they just don't know what's going on yet. Okay. So what do you guys think is going to happen next? Other than Cybertruck launches happening, what's the next thing? I mean, I've been predicting that the bot's going to make much more of an impact than people realize, that it's going to be demos every single month, that they're going to have to make a big deal about it in September when they do the AI Day 3. And it needs to get out into what you were just saying, society and every person out there needs to understand and see that the bot is real and you know be impressed because they need to attract the best machine learning engineers. They can't afford right now with the AI boom, everybody who's smart is trying to you know, jump to open AI and they're trying to jump to uh, DeepMind and Microsoft. Mm. And they're, they're, they're realizing that these companies are AI companies and Tesla when, needs to step up. When Tesla does most of their events, they are basically that they are just recruiting events. In my opinion, yep. they're actually not for anything else. And so even this latest tweet from Tesla AI, it was all just mm -hmm. a recruiting thing. Um, I don't agree necessarily that they have to get Tesla bought out there that much. I think that in the beginning, it is just going to be living in the factory. Um, and its main job is going to I be... I just meant demo. I just meant videos and demos, not that it needs no, to I be mean, sold. I, and I like your I yeah. like your thesis because the idea that it's, again, it's not necessarily that it's going to be in people's homes, that it, it's its greatest value is in manufacturing. I agree with you on that. And I also agree with you that um, they do need the best and brightest talent. I just feel like they are at the top of the list. Mm. Um, but I hear what you're saying about attracting talent away from like open AI stuff. I feel like, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to really get my, my mitts on understanding where kind of the engineers who are into this kind of thing lie. Do they, do they think that, that, um, you know, little apps and, and stuff that's powered by, um, you know, a chat GPT is going to, you know, be Wait, super revolutionary. You, you, and you remember that Andrew, Andre Karpathy left Tesla to go specifically to OpenAI, and he joined OpenAI six months afterwards, but he knew, he'd already seen chat GPT three at that point. And then of true. course had already seen chat GPT four. And that's why, you know, there's a little bit of a rift between Elon and uh, Andre. And I think that that was maybe a canary in a coal mine and that mm. uh, this is your top engineer decided to leave because this was impressive. What they need to do now is bring back those kind of people and convince them that. And that's why, you know, the biggest event for me was when Elon came out and said, Tesla is going to have a major role in Tesla AI, in AI and mm. AGI. And I was concerned that he was going to move it to Truth GPT, a brand new company. It was all going to be developed in Twitter. And he said, no, all three are going to work together. And we're not only going to have real world vision AI, we're going to also have a competitor to ChatGPT, a generative a large language model as well. So that made me feel so good. You see, it, I'm not even an engineer, but I'm going, okay, I want to work at Tesla now because they have everything. Right. I think one of the reasons why people leave Tesla is a human reason. They're burnt out. Mm. Um, I think anyone, I mean, you heard Andre, who's working just incredible yeah. hours, and that's because that's what's demanded of you. And that's what everyone else is doing around you. And there's a certain point in your life when you start to not want to work that many hours, you leave your twenties and go into your thirties or whatever, and you want to settle down. So I think that's just always going to be the case with Tesla. And it doesn't really concern me because as Elon talked about recently, they had 3 million applications for yeah. less than yeah. what, 10,000 jobs. So 
they're going to get the best and the brightest. I think it's not really, that's not really my concern. Um, because I think it's always going to be an attrition. You're always going to go work at Tesla, get that on your resume, and you're going to have your choice of jobs after that. Because mm -hmm. look, I mean, that just looks amazing on your resume. And there's going to be people, people who are going to leave after a couple of years because they just can't hack it. And there's going to be people who stay a little longer. Those are the, I think the, the prime people, if you can stay a little longer and bring more of that, because the first couple of years you're getting advantage of like Tesla university, right? You're learning so much. Um, and you become very valuable because you've been around all these other really intelligent people and learned how to do things out of the box. Then I think if you can stay with Tesla a little bit longer and, you know, bring that energy and that work, um, instead of going off to Rivian or whatever, that's where they need to focus. Right. And I, I think that the other thing too is, to me, ChatGPT has felt a bit like a flash in the pan. It, I mean, mm. I'm still blown away sometimes when I'm typing away on it. And, you know, it gives me a result that I'm, you know, it was very creative or something like that. But it's it's felt almost more uh, artistic than a useful uh, kind of thing. I don't know if that's been your experience, but like we've been trying to use um, Google's Bard and it's like, it's 50 50 whether or not you're, you're it lies actually, to you yeah well, well, i was gonna tell you, know, you this it. i i looked up chat gpt and i said who's zach and jesse you know what they said <laughs> you guys are brothers <laughs> there you go right yeah, i almost came like... and introduced you as brothers <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing like you know i i know that it has many different applications for many different things it's just is it going to be you know i think that we all kind of become amazed by something and then we go like this is going to be the next big thing and then time passes and we have to see whether that is true and i've felt like it's definitely a thing um but it's not as big as i thought it would be when we first started doing it i thought it was going to replace uh zach and i the writing i thought that we were going to not have to you know write our scripts anymore i thought it would just we would just sort of feed it some information and it would just you know come up with all of the things but it's been very bland you know so i i still have to come up with the funny jokes and maybe it's going to come up with you know a, a a specific you know thing where i can't say oh what what is that thing what's that thing and i don't know the word so i can't google it so what's that thing and it's like this and that and it'll be able to tell me or it'll be able to come up with a creative result but I haven't been able to notice that it's really blown me away in terms of usability and, and function. Um, I, I've been blown away by Midjourney, although it hasn't, you know, fooled me uh, yet. And I think that those sorts of things are going to start to lead to people maybe, you know, jumping off the bandwagon of wanting to go work for Tesla. But I think that Tesla is a freight train plowing forward in terms of the number of stuff that you want to you know, that engineers want to do. And to know that if I go work for Tesla and I get bored, there's like eight other companies in there for me to go work at. When we were just in the Netherlands at the Micromobility Conference, one of our fans came and visited us from Germany, and he had just gotten a job at Tesla like five days before, and he was so happy. And he said, what I love about this company is I just started working for them, and I can already start to contribute. I can already start to give them my ideas, and they don't go, hey, you're the newbie, shut up. And and that's incredible, right? Because most companies, you just stay quiet for the first few months. Um, but Tesla wants you to be part of it. And I think that's a culture that is not present at most other companies. Yeah, I think that the um, the announcement of Dojo, the supercomputer, is going to change the game very, very quickly. You saw how quickly yes. it will be to 100 exaflops. And I think that, um, what, they're going to be the fifth largest supercomputer by January. They're going to be probably the largest <laughs> 
uh, by next year. It's like months mm-hmm. away. So really good point. point. If you're in that field, that's going to attract you're you like, to the company right there. I want, and I the want data. The like you computer, you yeah. know? Yeah. And the data. Yeah. Oh my God, the data. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let's get a little bit about your story. I want to know more about you guys. Um, you're quite interesting uh, pair. You're, you're very, very funny. I love it. And so tell me about, you know, you, what was in your journey, like the most um, pivotal kind of um, learning that you have, the thing you maybe enjoyed the most? I saw one that you had this debunking disinformation with the zero mission scam. Thought that was funny. <laughs> what do you enjoy mo- doing most? These kind of things <laughs> or uh, educating? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm a curious person. So is Jesse. So we're always trying, you know, YouTube is this funny world that we live in, right? Where um, if you, you're always held to the algorithm. Um, and so, we're kind of lucky that we do this show. We've done it for 355 weeks in a row, Tesla Time News, where we get to talk about things that we love, but we also get to do it in what we hope is in, you know, educational, but also funny. Um, because I think that you know our show is an hour long, and if you sit there for an hour and just give people cold, hard facts, most people are going to fall asleep. So we always are trying to think of a way to make each story fun to watch, interesting to learn about. And kind of poke fun at ourselves and what's going on, because I think that's how people learn the best. Your brain likes being happy. And I think that we've also, Zach and I have always been pretty cynical people in terms of how companies and the world is run. And so we're not afraid to kind of pick things apart and pick companies apart and and really expose, I mean, this is, I mean, we, you always kind of knew that big auto was kind of scuzzy and scummy and, you know, like all sorts of, uh, you know, I, I always think of like fight club where he's talking about whether or not they're going to do a recall. And it's like, you know, is it more expensive to pay people off, you know, people like people dying in their cars and paying off lawsuits, or is it cheaper to do the recall and they do whatever the cheapest option is? You know, there's always been that. It's just now it gets brought to the forefront in such a different way where these companies, you know, you thought at first that they were just like so slimy and evil and smart, but now you realize that they're just big and dumb and they don't know how to pivot fast and they don't know and it they're disincentivized from wanting to push in any direction it's it's very much just kind of a um lazy river everyone's kind of in their tube and here's elon musk and he's splashing and kicking and everyone's like stop kicking it's we're all floating down this lazy river together and we're all just gonna be making you know fat and happy i want another culotta you know that's all it's ever been and to see tesla come in and just blow up these companies um a lot of them are not going to make it and to see that you know stellantis is going to add a few more stars to its (laughs) to its thing this conglomeration of some of the losers is just kind of it's funny and i just we want to bring that dark-ish humor to it well to your point in the first few years it was kind of tough because we just saw it was getting more cynical and we're like this is awful but then as our channel grew and we could talk to more people now it's really fun Mm -hmm. we get to talk to pretty much any ceo we want to and that's awesome because i think you've noticed this on your channel you talk to a lot of smart people and talking to smart people for me for your brain Mm -hmm. it's like the best we're just sponges right and we just love that so i think that's the most fun part for me is that we get to actually start to talk to 
just all these awesome people in the world and doing really cool things, um, building really cool things. I mean, right now we're working on, um, we, we love doing this show in this studio space cause we can kind of walk into it and turn everything on and just start recording. We don't have to set up cameras like we did in the past, um, but it's always been so hard for us to travel. And so we can't go visit like a cool mm -hmm. place or a cool company. Um, we've always had to just sort of sit here. Um, but we've been working on a, a solar powered trailer that we're going to hopefully be tugging along with either our Ford or our, um, our cyber truck. Um, and it's, it, we've really, we've Just made our hobby. own yeah. off grid power nice. grid, you know, yeah. a big battery solar on the roof. Um, we've got air conditioning. air conditioning, we've got the air conditioning so that it, when the sun is beating down on it, it's generating more solar than the, than the air conditioner uses. So it's wow. like, and being able to show people that like the gears are turning in my head so hard where I'm going like, wait a minute. Um, you know, we're learning about used solar panels that you can buy for $50, a panel like this, which is like cheaper per square foot than a piece of plywood. Mm -hmm. And it's a roofing material and it generates electricity. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We've made so many of these and they're, the technology is getting so much better that this is cheaper than a piece of plywood. I want to start making, uh, you know, car ports that gen that charge your car. I want to start basically removing houses from the grid if we can. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be so transformative. It's 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 cheaper than even I thought solar could be. Um, and that's what excites me so much. And that's what yeah. I love. It sounds like this was why you started the channel as you're enjoying the fruits of that labor at this point. Do you think that this uh, battle against moving you know, sustainable energy seems to, is it happening faster than you expected? Are you, we must be pretty excited. I am. I mean, I can't believe we're here. What was your reaction to where we're at today and where do you think it's going to go? I feel it's duality because I feel like from a scientific point of view, there's no reason we're not moving faster. Mm. Uh, I feel like the big holdback is people have a hard time either because they hold on to nuggets. I mean, Elon's tweeted this out a few times. He's like, do you even know how you've been programmed? Mm. Right. We have all this programming, things you learn as a kid, right? You learn about Santa Claus and you learn about all sorts of things that turn out not to be true. And then, then later in life, you're like, wait, where did I learn that from? Yeah. And we don't even know where we got that from, but we really stick with it a lot of times, right? Because it's just like, I, that's, I've been told the grid can't ever handle electric cars, you know, things like that. And so that's kind of the interesting thing to me, where when I talk to people in the world and I find out, oh, you have no first principle reason why the things we're talking about can't take place. That, you know, that's why rockets can reland because there's no physical reason why they can't. And you begin to have your mind open to the, oh, unless you can give me a physical reason why it can't happen, it should happen. And so, yeah, I'm really excited that, you know, solar on houses is one of the fastest growing things right now. But I also think like, why isn't every house covered with it? Like it should be by now, it feels like. Yeah, I like your answer. It's actually true. There's a duality to, to it all. <clears throat> what are you guys going to do with your channel now? So it sounds like you're expanding to beyond just Tesla. You're expanding beyond just electric vehicles. Um, you got multiple channels at this point, but you're also building things. <laughs> Do you have uh, dreams of, is there other businesses here that is related to sustainable energy that you're working on? Yeah. Um, there's things we can't talk about, but there are things we can, uh, we want to start. I mean, so in the beginning I was wrong. You, you can count it here, folks. I said it, uh, Jesse told me you can't put all the videos dad on one channel because YouTube will not like that. And I was like, yeah, you can look at HBO. <laughs> They got lots of different shows and people right. watch them all. 
Uh, but that's not an algorithm, right? Look at CBS. You know, you got right. shows about cops. You got shows about news shows. Yeah, right. right. But yeah, YouTube does not like that. So yeah, we're going to probably start a channel probably called Now We Build. Um, where we're going to be doing stuff in the shop, right? Because if I put that on this channel, you know, our, yeah. our now, you know, channel, and people aren't really that interested, then, you know, the algorithm and, you know. Um, and so that is, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit excited about Twitter because I feel like Elon is getting it. He's tweeting out that he wants creators over there. And I feel like he's probably going to pay better than, than YouTube is. I think a lot of people out there don't realize that to create costs um, money. And so they kind of think it's just, oh, every YouTuber's rich or, you know, it's just easy to do. And as you know, as a YouTuber, it's not. Um, and so I'm excited to keep creating content, but I don't think it always has to be the same kind of content. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited to bring this new. So, OK, back in the 50s, right? There were people in California specifically that were hot rodding their cars. That's where right. it started. You know, they were hot rodding cars and they were taking these old. That's why they all look old, right? Old 30s mobiles. And they were souping them up, making them really fun and really cool. And that has spawned a culture around cars that we didn't have in the 20s as much. It was very much, you know, I need I know how to fix my car because it breaks down every 10 seconds. Um, but that hot rodding uh culture sort of came along and and built a lot of different stuff in this country um a lot of people who were hot rodders on the side they knew how to they had a lot more skills yeah. and those skills allowed them to start new companies and do new things including you know cars but lots of other um avenues i think that we're going to have this brand new hot rodding community around um electric stuff um, obviously there have been, you know, robot conventions and stuff like that. Um, but the power electronics have, have not been there for the longest time. You could get, you know, brick LiPo batteries. They were relatively expensive, but you know, your robot only needed to work for 20 minutes and kill another robot. Um, but now with solar and with, uh, battery packs, uh, coming off of cars that, you know, we don't need them anymore. Um, recycled, uh, all sorts of stuff. The 18650 battery cell is this modular little device and nobody understands them right now. People no, yeah. throw them away. And I mean, to your point, we, to prove it to ourselves, we took a 1975 midget MG, this tiniest car you can imagine. And we put yeah. five Tesla module battery packs in the back and we turned it into an electric car. And the only real challenging part was how damn small the car is. If it was, if we had chosen a bigger car, uh, it wouldn't have fit in the garage and, easily. And but how it, rusty the car was. Exactly. Um, all of this stuff and the reason that I'm excited about a Now We Build channel is it's going to be able to take um, a bunch of people who might be interested in this and build this new culture, build this new um, uh, fluency in understanding how all of this stuff works. And it's going to change the way that we live. Being able to go from you paying a company to put solar on your house and spending thousands and thousands of dollars to do it, probably in the $10,000 range. To now being able to get enough solar panels yourself used. They were sitting in the middle of a field somewhere generating electricity for a company that decided one day that they could put in more efficient solar panels and they need to get the heck rid of these things. You can now buy them, again, cheaper than plywood and, and put them on your house and hook them up. And all of a sudden, your, your electric bill is going to drop to practically zero yeah because for decades in this country we've kind of thrown away this idea of manufacturing it's like well that's not our job we'll give that to someone else to do and i think it's an exciting field to be in it's just that 
we yeah. ignored it yeah, for so long stuff. that we just let it die. But using your hands, using tools, that is the best. I mean, that's we are human. And so we've kind of forgotten that about ourselves, which I think is why so many people are unhappy today. They don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to fix anything or build anything. And the tools and the pieces and the parts for all this are readily available now, and they're getting cheaper every day. And I think that's going to be so exciting for people to discover. Yeah. And, yeah, and you guys are and, the yeah. opposite to Monroe and Associates. Corey, they break it down. You guys build it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I send us I your parts. The, the recycling element, too, is is yeah. to be able to take something that, you know, um, for instance, like we took a hoverboard, you know, one of those things wow. that you buy for your kid at Christmas and is broken yeah. by, you know, Valentine's yeah. Day. Um, I found one on the side of the road and we turned it into a wind turbine. It was able to generate 400 watts of power. And it's like, Okay, and the battery pack. Two cells were bad in the battery pack. We could have turned it back into a a useless uh, hoverboard, but now we have two motors that can each generate 400 watts of of wind power. It's like, that's pretty cool to be able to take something that was a toy, you know, because most toys throughout history, they were a little piece of wood. And now you're able to take (laughs) a toy and turn it into something that you could literally power uh, many devices in your life with. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that we're in the, in the world now where it's uh, unlimited energy, right? It's like you can get it from the solar. And then what you guys are doing is democratizing and le- teaching people how to do it and then spreading that everywhere. Then uh, we are headed towards an ideal utopia, do you think? Or uh... <laughs> I do. I mean, I, you know, it is easy to go, you know, and think of Skynet when you think of, you know, yeah. robots, right? But if it does, and I have no idea what's going to happen with AGI, but if we can keep them from killing all of us, yeah, I think it's really nice to have um, pretty much unlimited labor, right? Because that does, as Elon has said, turn the economy into what? It turns it into infinity. And then if if electricity or power is basically free, you, you can do anything. You can do any infrastructure project. I mean, think of the biggest reason why we don't do tunnels or we don't do most infrastructure projects is because it's so expensive, the energy part. Mm-hmm. But if that part becomes free, then you can build whatever you want to build. And that's super exciting. And I think also the space aspect. I mean, it brought the whole world together in 1969 when we landed on the moon. And then we went, okay, well, we did that. And then no one wanted to talk about anything else exciting to do with space. We were all just in low Earth orbit. Now Elon's talking about going to another planet. And I'm just surprised that not more people are excited about it. My thinking is, I don't think most people know about it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think they've heard of some crazy idea that this billionaire has, but I don't think they've actually sat down and thought about it. I think when they see Starship, I mean, it was unfortunate. Of course, Starship, the first test was going to blow up. That's the whole point. But I think when they see Starship actually succeed, like, you know, when Falcon 9 succeeded, they're going to perk up and go, oh, wait, what? Right. Right. Because, I mean, Falcon 9 will come back down and land and then... The, the stream cuts back over to the second stage, which is going up. When it lands and then the camera stays on it and people get out, <laughs> that's, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, they were just in that thing. What was, what did that, oh, hang on. Yeah. <clears throat> They're like, oh my gosh, what did that feel like? You know, now all of a sudden there's a curiosity yeah. behind it. And as that's soon right. as we get footage of the starship landing on the red planet, um, that's going to be the next iconic Earthrise kind of uh, f- footage that I think, you know, one small step for man kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
that we haven't had in yeah. a lifetime practically. And, and even Earth travel, the fact that we're going to be able to travel intercontinentally on these starships to different countries within 45 minutes, like I'd love to have lunch, lunch in Shanghai right now. Like that'd be yes. awesome. I you think it would change my mind. Stop on... having dinner. Right. You could just, I had, I had dinner here and then it I would flew be the starship over there dinner club. and, we, and okay. I waited until I was hungry and then it was dinner time again and I flew to another place and I had dinner and I watched the sunset and then, you know, Two hours later, I watched the sunset. That's, that's going <laughs> to be Sounds like we're very, very do. optimistic, all of us. But uh, what do you guys think is the risk uh, to Tesla at this point? I mean, are we being too bullish and too, you know, fanboyish at this point? And uh, what do you guys, from everybody, all the things you've looked at, obviously it doesn't seem like there's competitors, but we've got to be watching out for the Chinese uh, manufacturers. Don't underestimate them. Don't underestimate the AI development that you can just, you know, robots and all that. What What's your uh, concern? We were bullish on Tesla when they weren't profitable and yeah. bankruptcy was a real concern. They now have $22 billion in the bank and they're announcing gigafactories like crazy. I feel like we're kind of past the point of being worried. I think that the risks, there are, of course, risks. Um, Elon could be hit by a bus tomorrow. That would not do too well to the Tesla stock if we're investors. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not great for the mission either. Um, I, I think that he is a real driving force. I think that I think that's the biggest risk. I think that's probably I mean, the you, you, obviously, there's plenty of doom porn. You can talk about Ukraine. You can talk about, you know, AI that but like within the Tesla world, I think it is the fact that none of us really know how you would replace an Elon with if you look at companies like Apple, when you lo lose the Steve Jobses, you don't really have the same company, right? Because it really was that visionary. And so we'd all love it if, you know, one of his kids was the next one or, you know, his brother, but they're not. And so that's, I think at the moment, we need him to live to a ripe old age. Um, and hopefully, you know, once you get the company into all of these things and it's just kind of running, that would be great, but it's it's not there yet. So I, I agree. I think the the my biggest fear is Elon. Yeah. But the companies are so well run, well designed. His number one product is the company. <clears throat> you could argue that what he's designed is, I mean, he is one person. So 140,000 employees are making all these decisions about gigafactories, building the gigafactories. It's kind of like already left the station. Um, I don't think you're right, you unfortunately. You still have to you still have to have one guy kind of at the wheel. And I think that, you know, I think that it, it, let's say you just could put Tim Cook in Tesla at any point in Tesla's history. When would you do that? Right. I mean, you could argue, oh, you do it right now. But I think that if we waited two years, you'd say, oh, right, right now. <laughs> you wouldn't say, oh, I would have done it two years ago, which is you know, gotcha, today. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think you would have been like, well, I'm so glad that Elon was in charge this whole time. I, I think that it's, you know, going back and, and reading some of the books where they talk about Elon, even where they uh, talk about Elon being a jerk and firing people. Um, you got to kind of ask yourself, what if he didn't fire those people? Right. What if he didn't make those, you know, decisions? They were big decisions at the time. And even now he's making big decisions. They would everything just have worked out i mean if elon hadn't made those calls i just heard you know walter isaacson the author the, yeah. uh, yeah. the biographer that's coming out the book in september and he was on some you know twitter spaces giving some little little bits and pieces i was and there it sounded i asked him the first i asked him the first question 
And yeah, I mean, it was just amazing to hear these little stories. So I can't wait to read the book. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like on a given day, Elon is doing more than most people, you know, most CEOs are doing in a given year. So I just, mm -hmm. again, I agree. I don't, yes, I would love to believe that, you know, it can be on autopilot right now, but, and I'm not saying it would just falter and fail, but I just don't think you'd see anything like what you're going to see with him in charge. And that's the thing, right? That's what is so exciting to think that, you know, because if if any company, if Boeing, let's say, had come up with a relandable rocket, mm -hmm. they would have rested on that <laughs> for the next 30 to 40 years. Yep. They would have said because and why am I saying that? Because that's what they've done yep. with a lot of their rocket designs. Those rockets that you see launching other satellites, they're not new. Right. right? They yeah. were designed in the 80s. They were designed in the <clears throat> 70s. Some were designed in the 60s. Like we haven't made they don't make strides when the first starship blew up there on that test they had already iterated over a thousand major changes before right. the next one even launched so that's incredible and, and it, it's just you have to have a guy who says yeah we're gonna get to mars it's one of the most logical if you like just looked at the world and you were like what's the most logical thing that we could do mars is you have to like zoom way out you have to just kind of take your mouse and just go zoom, 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 back, 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 back. You you realize you can't have one point of failure being the rock that you're sitting on. Right. And so Elon realized that and all of the decisions kind of come back from that. Yep. But it's really hard to get people on board with such a big vision. And that I think is, again, it's a risk. It's It's like he zoomed all the way out. He looked at practically the whole universe yeah. and he said okay humanity could either die on this little speck or we could we could try and i don't know what's possible because right. i can only see so far we'll get to the next but speck. if i can get to that peak if i can get humanity to this hill maybe we can see far enough to be able to get to the next one. Yeah. The uh, question I asked Walter Isaacson, because I've read six of his books, right? I mean, he's talked about Benjamin Franklin and Einstein and um, just, you know, where, where does he think that Elon's going to be in the place of history? And he danced around it, didn't answer it directly. I mean, partly because obviously what his biographies, the story has not ended and that's part of it. But what do you guys think? I mean, in my mind, uh, He's got to be the greatest entrepreneur in the world. He's got to be one of the people that has the greatest impacts, the most consequential impacts to the world. We're talking about, you know, humanly <laughs> entrepreneurs. Um, you know, um, what, 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 totally what do you agree. guys think? I think, you know, when I was a kid, I visited Leonardo da Vinci's uh, design studio in Italy. And as a kid, I didn't fully comprehend all of what he did. And since then, I've learned more and more. And I think you're talking on that scale, but times some major factor because a lot of what Leonardo came up with was in notebooks. Um, what Elon's doing is he's actually building the companies that are building the things. And we're, we haven't even touched on Neuralink and we haven't even touched on the fact that OpenAI is a company because he founded it. Like yeah. there's just so much that he touches and he brings in these amazing people and he creates and yeah, and he's not done yet. So yeah, I think he's, um, he's not getting anywhere near what he deserves today because everyone just, I don't know, puts billionaire on him or says that he's a crazy Twitter guy or, you know, doesn't understand him. Um, and that in a, some small way, I hope that our channel can show that if, you know, if these two hopefully thoughtful people are following him day in and day out, um, that there's a reason for that, that maybe you should listen to him a little bit more. That's why we do tweets of the week on our show. 
because he says a lot of intelligent things there instead of just the stupid things that people want to focus on. Of course, he does the memes and the dad jokes, but he's he's talking about amazing things on 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 Twitter. And so, yeah, I really feel like um, the biggest problem, again, goes back to the duality that people have in their head. They can't hold two things at once. So either he's just a crazy billionaire. What, is he genius? Wait, how can he be both? I, I don't know. I'm not going to think about it. That's what they do. And someday when that's all kind of gone and they can just dust off the book and read about him, they're going to go, wow. This was incredible. This is real. This is true. This happened. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you both very much. I loved having this discussion with you. My own energy has risen. I think you guys might have had a body swap, by the way, Jesse. I feel like you're like a, an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to say that Zach is young or anything, but he does <laughs> act kind of young. But uh, thank you both very much. Um, folks, follow Zach and Jesse. They have an incredible channel. You will laugh. You will learn at Now You Know channel on YouTube and is on Twitter. Their handle is NYK channel. Uh, hopefully you guys learned something new. Thank you guys both very much. Appreciate this. Thanks so much for having us on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Wonderful.